How many of you would agree when you study this book, I mean, there's only four chapters, that it would make sense, that last, last study would make sense in the story to be the last one? And you guys know, goes there, preaches the gospel, revival takes place, they're falling on their faces, weeping for God, getting saved, <laughs> and, you know, in context. Uh, and, and, and all this is happening, and you think, wow, mission accomplished. And then God puts one more chapter in and says, let me tell you about Jonah's heart. And then that kind of hits home with us as for what he was actually dealing with as the messenger and things. So um, I um, labeled this being angry with God, and you'll know exactly why when we get into this, because this is about being angry with God. And uh, I, I, have any of you ever just been mad beyond, like, like you just were mad and like you couldn't see straight? I'm going to tell you guys a story, and I think I've told this yet. I can't remember exactly when or what or whatever. Uh, when we were in high school, I went to a small Christian school, and uh, we didn't have a lot of like formal events, but we did have homecoming. That was an event that we had. We had homecoming, and we would dress up for homecoming. We'd go to this, uh, this, this party thing that we'd have, and it was in the gym, and it wasn't a traditional thing like prom or whatever. It was a small Christian school. And I remember getting, I had a date, and it wasn't Jenny. I don't even know if Jenny knows this story. Uh, the girl's name was Mandy. I was excited, but I had, uh, I, I had a sports car. It was a really, speed, uh, a really sweet sports car, and I, I cleaned the whole thing up. I got dressed up, I mean, to the hilt. I was ready for this thing. Uh, picked up this girl and her sister. I drove them both, and we went to the event, and when I came out, uh, somebody had trashed my car. When I say trash my car, I mean covered in shaving cream, wrote on my windows, uh, put Taco Bell wrappers all over it, like stuck to the shaving cream. And I'm trying to clean it up in like this fancy suit and trying to get it. And I finally thought of that I had it cleaned up enough like to get home. And um, so I get into the car and as I'm driving, all the shaving cream from the hood goes up on the windshield. So it's like, you know, and so I'm turning on the windshield wipers. Just for future reference, if anybody needs to know this, windshield wipers does not remove shaving cream from your car. It, it doesn't work like rain. It just smeared it. And my car is getting so blurry, I could not physically see down the road. Now, some of you, have any of you guys seen pictures of me back when I had hair? Have you guys seen those pictures? Okay. I had like Elvis hair. I, I like had the big swoop and everything, but it took a while to get it that cool. A lot of hairspray, a lot of, um, man, I shouldn't be telling you this. A lot, <laughs> a lot of blow drying and getting the angle right and, and, and spray. And so uh, I, I, I got to a point where I was going to kill everybody in the car. So I only had one thing that I could do because I could not see it. I had to stick my head out the window so I'm driving and shaving creams going around the side of the car, hitting me in the face, going up into my hair, <clears throat> the wind's blowing and, and just like, so my, I, I did not look as cool as I did when this started. And I got there and I was so frustrated. I let them out. I get home and I caught wind that who did my car. It was the biggest loser of our high school. It was, it was Pastor Dave did that to my car. I knew it. <laughs> 
Pastor Dave every day, and, he, and I should have known by the Taco Bell wrappers because that was kind of our signature, like we would go out to Taco Bell, so he got all these Taco Bell wrappers and stuck them in there, and I was so mad. I'm telling you, when I say I was so mad, if he would have been home, I would be in prison right now. That's how mad I was. And I remember going in the house, and I didn't know what to do. I was just so frustrated that Pastor Dave back in the day was weird. And in his graduation pictures, he, he got his picture taken in a overcoat. And he loved this overcoat. He had this overcoat. And, and it was just something. I don't, I don't know. It was weird. What teenager likes an overcoat? You know, it was just a weird thing. But he liked this overcoat. I found the overcoat. I shoved it in the toilet, stomped it down into the toilet, took a can of shaving cream, which I just thought was appropriate, and I made like a, like a whipped cream stack on top of it and filled it up to where when he got home and he couldn't find his coat, there was just a pile of whipped cream, or cool, or not whipped cream, but shaving cream in the toilet. Oh my goodness. And Dave got home, and rather than like, oh, you got me back, you know, like he went to mom with his overcoat saying, Tony ruined, and I did, by the way, I absolutely ruined the overcoat. I didn't mean to do that, but I wasn't thinking straight. I was just so mad. I was so mad that he did this that, that, um, that I, I wasn't thinking that that shaving cream had whatever in it that stained, I mean, literally like put these patches all over it. So when it come out and cl- messed up, and mom goes to my room and says, I know you did this, whatever. And I was like, yes, I did. I'll take the blame all day. Because I thought I was so justified in what I did that there was no reason that, you know, anybody, if I told anybody what they did, they would high five me, not say, you shouldn't have done that. And so I was so irritated that when mom told me, I said, yes, I did it. I'm not ashamed. He had it coming to you. And mom still said, you shouldn't have done that. And I was so, I, now I'm getting upset at mom. Like, mom, do you know what he did? He ruined my date. He ruined my hair. He ruined my, you know, all this stuff that I have a car. It's just like all these things. And I was, and, I, and I'm sure all of us have stories of times that we've been just mad. I mean, just, just outright. And I'm not just saying like, oh, I'm irritated or you shouldn't have done that. I'm talking about where you feel justified in something that happened like this. And, and these, things like that happen in, in our, our lives like this. Like, it's just so unfair that I had every right to do this. But let me take it a step further. I'm not talking about being mad at your brother, being mad at family. I'm talking about being mad at God. Now, most people would not admit. Nobody, nobody puts on Facebook and says, hey, having a bad day, really mad at God today. I mean, that's a, that's a part of our hearts that we don't just like, oh, here I am. This is, this is how I'm feeling. We just don't admit to being mad at God. Uh, Jonah was mad at God. And I'm, I'm not just saying that like a, you can tell by the writings of this or whatever uh, that he's mad at God. But I mean, sometimes when you ask God for help or you pray for something, you plead with God for something and he doesn't answer your prayers or you just get frustrated and in life, we think, Lord, I, I needed that job. I needed that help. I needed that answer. Or, or why'd you let my child get into an accident when I prayed for him this morning that he would be saved? Or why did this happen? Or whatever. So we get to Jonah chapter 4, and it happens after revival. So the last chapter, like I said, man, it was just like this wicked city after he walks in, and we were talking about how he walks in and just standing off in the shoulder or in the corners or whatever, and like 
uh, God loves you and, you know, preaching this and thinking like I'm preaching to a bunch of people that don't care and they're not going to like open up and like, you're the man and thank God for sending you. You know, I mean, they're horrible, wicked people. But then one after another, after another, start repenting and falling on their faces and ripping their clothes and crying out for mercy. Now, let's just be honest. If that happened on a Sunday morning, if that happened on any morning, we would walk out of there going, that was the most epic thing ever. But Jonah did not walk away from Nineveh feeling that way at all. Because he felt in his heart, they don't deserve it. Like we, we began this study, uh, like comparing them to like Hamas or, you know, or like whatever evil people you can think of, or like Bin Laden or whatever these people are, and just like, go to them and preach them. Yeah, I will, just so they can reject you, or you can drop the fire on them. You know, that's what we're thinking. But we're not thinking that they would turn their hearts towards God. They were evil, they were wicked, they tortured people. And now he's just like, Lord, so they can just pray and you forgive them? Lord, this is unfair. You know, so this, let's get to this, Last chapter, and you say, man, you kind of exaggerated about the anger thing. Okay, let's read verse 1. Are you ready for this? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. How would you interpret that verse? You don't have to look it up. <laughs> you don't have to research the words. <laughs> Nobody has to walk in there and, in my opinion, what I'm thinking he's doing. No, it's like, he was displeased exceedingly. <laughs> he was very angry. Pretty straightforward. Uh, I think just saying mad is an understatement. And let's, So let's get into this. And he prayed unto the Lord and he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? Now just think about what he's saying as he does this. He goes, didn't, didn't we talk about, Lord, I gave you a lot of advice when this started. I, I, I gave you, he's saying this. He said, I pray thee, O Lord, was, was this not my saying? When I was yet in the country, therefore I fled before Tarshish, and I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Which it doesn't mean in the ideas uh, that we think that God repents or gets right. It literally means he withholds punishment or changes the direction based on the repentance, and they're not getting what they deserved. It's, it's the definition of grace and mercy. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He he was so angry that if I I don't understand life, and if this is the way it is, I should just die. I don't care anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I, I, I just don't understand. But I think it's interesting, even as he's talking to God, now, what he's irritated, he goes, I knew that you would do this. And did you guys notice what he, how he describes God in that passage? You're merciful. You're gracious. You're kind to these people. Isn't that what he was thinking when he was in the belly of the whale? I mean, <laughs> like, you're merciful. You're kind. You're gracious. And spit him up and gave him another chance. Isn't it funny how we are so okay we are so okay with God helping us, but we change our view of God when God's helping the enemy. That, that's, that's what's happening in this. It's like, you know, I knew that you would do this. He goes, and God says in, in verse 4, Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So let me interpret that. Do you have the right to be angry? Can you imagine, first of all, saying this to God, but he was so angry with God that he says this, 
And God replies and says, do you really have the right to be upset with me? Uh, can you imagine if God physically was speaking to you and you physically speaking to God in this, in this situation and to where he says, therefore, now just take my life. I, be, I beg of you my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Now, I'm going to show you guys something that I think is important for us to understand, that God can use anybody and God loves us and God shows grace and mercy. But can anybody just see the heart of Jonah as we go through this? God calls him to do something and he runs. He doesn't pray out to God and then, then, then he's in the belly of the whale and he repents and then he gets his heart right and he runs and then God does something and then he wants to die and then God brings the gourd. Does everybody know the story of the gourd and the worm? We're going to get into that in a minute. And then he wants to die again. And I, I think that that shows that there's some people that just, and Jonah was used by God, don't get me wrong, and I believe that God can use anybody. But in his life, he was an emotional roller coaster. And, and, and just, and, and I'll show you this as we go through it, because he praises God one minute and then like, oh, where's God? And I'm just going to die and I don't care. But he's like, Lord, if you're going to let me stay in this situation, if you're not going to do something, it, basically he's saying, God, if you're not going to take my advice, then I'd rather not even live. God, you obviously don't care. God, I'm angry. But I think the important thing is, as we go through a study like this, is the application. It is us feeling this way about things. It's, it's we all struggle like Jonah, the, the ups and downs. It's like one minute in church, it's like, man, he is, God is everything and praise God and can God take care of this? And everybody says, amen, until you get that email or text when you get out of the church. And then it's like, where did you go? You know, it's like we change so fast. So why do we get angry with God? And I, I'm not just going to tell you a story about a worm and a gourd, Okay. Because there's application, but it goes deeper than that. It's like, the why, why do we get angry with God? So just from the perspective of Jonah, one, because we think that God does not get it. It's, it's like, God, do you not get this? Let, let's read it. And he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was I not saying when I was yet in this country? Question mark. Okay, so get this idea. He's explaining God's plan to God. Am I, am I wrong on this? He is explaining. He goes, um, do you got a minute? Like, can we talk for a minute? It's like, is this not what I told you? It's like when you go in your kid's room and say, did I not tell you? How many times did I tell you? He's doing this with God. Was this not what I was saying when I was yet in the country before I ran off? Therefore, I fled from Tarshish, and I knew that thou art gracious and merciful and slow to anger and great kindness and uh, he's explaining God to God. He is pleading his case to God. He is explaining to God what's going on. Uh, and, and, and you know how God was. God responded and says, Jonah, thank you so much because I, I just didn't get it. <laughs> Not at all. It's, it's funny how when we think that we have to explain situations back to God. I, how many of you guys remember our churchyard sales that we used to have here? They were one of the most horrible things we've ever did in the history of the church. <laughs> they were months of picking up clothes and trash. And I mean that. <laughs> it's like, we can't afford to bring this to the dump. Well, we could call the church and they could pick it up for the yard sale. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, that happened a lot. And, and then it was weeks of pricing things and sorting things and putting them from one area, whatever, and we just... 
we would dig through stuff, and, and I could tell you story after story after story of crazy things that happened, and us, it just, oh, it was weird, and it, it, was, it was a wonderful thing, the money that we were able to use for mission trips and things like that, but it took, and I'm telling you, out of all the things that we do as a church, it was one of the most labor-intensive things that we possibly did. Well, one year we were doing it for Brazil. We were doing it for uh, did the yard sale to raise money for the orphanage in Brazil, which is all a great thing. And, and we, we would, you know, put the work into it, and it, it went great. Except for we're getting ready to do this, and we'd have to like, work days in advance to put everything on the tables. And when I, you guys know what I'm talking about, the yard sale that we used to have, it was rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of stuff. And bicycles and just on furniture, we would put the furniture out front, and it would take guys like four hours to drag the furniture out and put it out. And then they came up and said, Pastor Tony, have you even stopped to look at the, the weather report? I'm like, no, why? It's like downpour all day, Friday and Saturday. I'm like, what? I don't care how many man people you have or man hours that you have to put into this. You, don't, you can't physically cover that much stuff. So now it's either just like wait and hope it doesn't get you or you have to drag everything in or it's getting plastic. And then every time we got the plastic, the wind would blow, catch everything on the table and then throw it off the table. It was, it was awful. So I'm telling everybody to pray and I'm praying to God. And this is literally what I'm doing. I'm praying, saying, God, there's, there's orphans in Brazil that need this money. God, come here for a minute. We need to talk. Weather report says this, and I'm working hard down here, and I got all this play out, and I'm, work, I'm working this out. And, and you need to know that this says that there's rain coming. And, and, and I'm helping kids that you love, and I think you love them, and I'm helping homeless people and these, these kids that don't have anything. And, and, you know, and God said to me, oh, Tony, I'm so sorry. I, I just did not realize, you know, no, not at all. And the truth is, God already knows. God makes no mistakes. He, he, he doesn't need us to correct him. He, he doesn't need us to correct him. Uh, and the other thing is, God doesn't need our opinion. That doesn't mean, and I, and I guys, let me be cautious by saying this. Because I think we can put this in such a way that it doesn't mean that you don't cast your care upon him for he cares for you. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because you should open it. But I'm saying, when you're talking about God saving a nation because God said, go preach to them because this is what I want to do. What happened is what God wanted to happen. You're upset about God's will, God's plan, God's goodness. God's, the thing that he complained about God, he says, you're gracious and you're kind and you're long-suffering. And God's like, yeah, that's me. That's what I do. Do you know why we question God? Because it does not make sense to us. It's just we cannot figure it out. We cannot add it up. But it's not our job to figure it out. It's our job to trust. And that's why we did three months of a series on faith. Faith is more than just saying that I trust God. It's trusting God when things don't make sense. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on your own understanding. Think about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because in our understanding... It shouldn't rain because we put all this work into it. God says, lean not on your own understanding. In all of thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Don't trust in what you think because you can't see the big picture. Now, work with me for a minute. I, I, I cut and pasted two pictures 
into your notes. Does everybody get the illustration? Let me explain it. When we say that God is already there, you know how I'll say that he's, he's the God of angel armies is all around me. You know, we, we have all these different songs and sayings and things like that. Get, put this in perspective of our view is linear. It's like I'm facing this today and I need this job or I need this money and Christmas, it's tight and I don't have the money. You know, so it's linear. I, I can only see what's in front of me because that's who I am. But the from perspective of God, God is not limited by space or time or resources or whatever. And, and I'm not saying that that's how God views us. It's, it's a Google image, so don't get excited, okay? Like, it's, <laughs> it, but it is a perspective that God sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. God knows what's ahead of you, so God might slow you down or stop you because he, it's, it's not just that God's there because God is not limited. God already sees what's ahead of you. He's already there. He already knows. And this is, this is us in the world, the path dealing with life. But this is God's perspective when we're trying to figure things out. God's doing things now because he knows what's best later. Um, do you guys know Jerry that is a farmer in our church? You know, and, and they're, they're wildermo- wildermoose. Yes, they're amazing people. I love them to death. And, and it's interesting for me now to think about me praying for it not to rain for silly things like an activity and stuff. I've always thought if God could talk to me, he'd be like, Tony, I, I know that you have that picnic for the teens. You know, it's like, I know that you have that and you're praying that it doesn't rain. But I also have a, farm, a farmer that's three miles away on Winchester Pike praying that it does rain because his income and his future and his farm depends on it. And the food that will come from that can feed thousands of people. So yes, you might have to move your activity inside. But for me, it's like, why are you doing this? I work so hard. You know, just like to us, it's God says, because I see what you cannot see. I know things you don't know. God knows what's best. And like Jonah already said, he is good and he knows what we need. So when we're upset with the rain or whatever it is in your life, you have to trust that God's saying, I know what I'm doing. God, you know, and I'm not saying that God said this. I know some people talk, I'm not saying that God said this, but what God put on my heart was saying, Tony, I know there's orphans in Brazil because I'm the one that led you there in the first place. And I'm the one that built the orphanage that you're trying to raise money from. And I'm the one that planted the church that you're raising the money for. And I'm the one that organized the team that's going to fly over there. And I'm the, you know, and you stop back and like, why are you telling me when I'm the God of all these things? We don't have to tell God because he's the one that planned it out. God brought um, the chance of rain to that yard sale just to ask me, do you trust me? Do you know that I know what's best and you know that I care about you? But we end up with this blurred view of God, Um, you know, just like he was complaining about God. But God just simply wants us to trust him. Truth is that when we don't understand God, we feel like that God doesn't care about us. We let our feelings or what's in front of us work on our hearts. And I'm speaking from my heart when I say this, guys. You know, just, it, just being honest. It's, you can feel like God's picking on you or like things aren't working out because God doesn't care. But um, God does care. So let me tell you about a story about a worm. You guys ready for a story about a worm? I feel like I'm in junior church right now. It's like, who wants to hear about a worm? It's like, I want to hear. So I'm going to tell you a story about a worm. So 
in the middle of this pity party, God gives uh, this huge sermon illustration. It's so cool. Uh, and Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and he made a booth or this spot or this little uh, uh, crybaby spot that for himself to sit there and suck his thumb and complain to God. And he sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become the city. Can you imagine just like a- after revival is going on, and God said, if they repent in this time, I'm not going to do anything. So he literally goes and gets this spot, like, you know, popcorn and everything, waiting for God to destroy the city. He's like, ready for God to do this. And God's already said, I'm not going to destroy them if they repent. But that's not what Jonah thought should happen. So he literally walks out of revival. I mean, people repenting, falling on their face, revival breaking, all these things. And he sits on this hill, praying to God, Lord, strike them, get them good, let this happen. He's waiting God to do what he thought God should do. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, don't get all spiritual on Jonah as, as I've talked about this, because this is so often us. When we have it so made up in our mind what God should do, that it blows us away when it doesn't happen in that way. Um, when people pray and <clears throat> think that God just doesn't care because God doesn't answer. And I've had people say things to me like, you know, prayed for this house. It was the perfect house. I was so upset when God didn't give us this house. And later they come back and say, you know what? We could have never afforded that house. I'm like, well, that's probably why God said no. You know, it's like God God has a reason for everything that he does. Um, Jonah 4, 6, and the Lord prepared a gourd. So just so you know, this is God's sermon illustration. And he made it to come up over Jonah. Now, the gourd was some sort of plant that was large, leafy. It was hot. It was, it was dry. And this miracle takes place of what God does to grow this plant because God's not limited by anything. And all of a sudden, he, he has this amazing shade that he could sit there and watch and have his pity party. And, and that it might shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd of the gourd. Does anybody see the emotional roller coaster here? You guys seeing this? It's like, oh, this is so awesome. The emotional, I, where was he the verse before this? Who can tell me? I wish I would just, I'd rather just die right now. That's where he's at. No exaggeration. <laughs> I'm not saying that. He didn't just say, Lord, I'm really upset. And I think I'm going to go back. He was literally talking about wanting to die. So God is giving this object lesson. And this is the message. The Lord was helping Jonah understand by blessing him. So he's going to give him something and say, let me show you who I am, how good I am. In the middle of your pity party, this is what he is. God is blessing and God gave him shade. Now, let me just ask you guys this question. In the middle of what he's doing, did he deserve the shade? No, not at all. He didn't go out there, fall on his face and say, Lord, I just experienced the hand of God. You are so good. Uh, He wasn't responding to God in the way that you would think. He was upset, but now he's thanking God for it. Um, but the question is, if God is showing grace and mercy and love and kindness to him through a gourd, the illustration is, was, I, was God not doing that to a nation to show them love, gracious, and kindness by sparing their life because God is good? <clears throat> the object lesson gets better. Um, God is saying it is all good for him to be gracious or for, him to accept, for Jonah to accept the grace of God as long as he's the receiver of it. But when it was turned the other way towards Nineveh, he got all upset. And he even explained who God was. 
Verse 7, but God prepared a worm in the morning and rose up the next day, and he smoked the gourd, and it withered. And it came to pass that when it did rise, that he prayed, uh, this venomous wind, uh, this east wind, and it was just talking about this huge wind that came out of nowhere. <clears throat> and uh, he prepared that too. And the sun beat upon his head that he fainted and wished himself to die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. I told you, here we are again. Now he's at this extreme low. Do you know why? Because a plant died. Because his shade died in, in the middle of this. And God was showing through this, <clears throat> understanding him that God is the one that gives, but God is also the one that takes away. He's asking Jonah in this, um, do you get it? You're all about uh, God being good as long as God is good to him. Uh, but when he takes things away, he wishes that he was dead. The lesson here is Jonah was all about withholding. God was withholding grace from the city of Nineveh, but God holding back grace from Jonah, he wanted to die. Talk about a contrast. Jonah was more worried about his plant dying than an entire city dying from judgment of God. And I, I think there's a lot of lessons that we could do because God was just bringing him through this string of emotions about you care about a plant, you care about your comfort. Why would I not care about people? And a lot of the things that I, I, I preached on this a couple of weeks ago about how sometimes God allows us to go things that are uncomfortable for the glory to point people to Christ. That's what he does. But he was more worried about the plant dying. It, that bothered him more that he lost that than the entire city that was turning to God. Have you ever thought that maybe God, that we get angry with God because we have our priorities wrong? And, and that happens a lot. Just like with the, uh, the, the yard sale in the rain. I was upset, frustrated with God because I thought that. It was my priorities were wrong. He might take away your, tree, uh, your shade tree or your comfort zone or whatever because he's stirring you up to get your attention because we get our focus off. We get our focus on the shade tree when God was focused on a nation. He was focused on the thing that was materialistic that faded away, that rotted away because of a worm, because we get so focused on ourselves. But here's a side lesson. I think this is cool, that you talk about how God can use anything. You guys know what God used in the story of Balaam? God used the donkey. What did God do with the donkey? He talked to him, got his attention. And they, man, God can use anything. Let's bring that to a whole nother level. God used a worm. You think that God can't use you? God used a worm in the story. God prepared a worm. If God can prepare a worm, God can prepare you. So don't ever think that God can't use you. I just think that's cool, just in the middle of this. The rocks would cry out if we don't worship him, yes. So why do we, why do we get angry with God? First, because we think that God doesn't get it. We struggle with that. And the next thing is just simply because we don't think that God cares. This messes with our minds. If God loves me, then, then, then he should intervene. He, could, he should listen to what I'm saying. And, and, and I, I'm speaking from my heart when I say this. Just because the situation does not feel good does not mean that he does not care. And in the moment, he didn't trust God. He was going by his feelings. He was going by the past resentment that he had for the people, their reputation. He was going by the fact that Nineveh was so wicked and all these things. He had all these feelings. I'll tell you what, our feelings can be like a cloud. that we, it, it, it blurs the reality around us, and yet we just step out of that fog and we can see it. But I'm telling you, anger, jealousy, fear, all of those things can blur us so much that we don't see what's good, or we don't understand that God's good, or we don't understand that God's working. God is good even when it doesn't feel good. 
and, and I think maybe that we should all like write that in the flyleaf of our Bible. God is good even when it doesn't feel good. Let me give you an illustration of this. I was very much so the type of dad that made my kids work growing up. I don't apologize for that one bit. Um, I, I, my kids would tell me all the time and they would tell other people like, when we have a day off, when dad says he's got a day off, it's not really a day off. And they're like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, dad will get up on his day, which is normally Friday, is my day off. And I, it's, I, I get the kids out of bed because they homeschool during that time. You know what we did? We cut the grass. We weeded. We fixed the, uh, the fence. We swept out the garage. They cleaned their rooms and all this. And, and I did that all the time. Now, here's the thing. As a dad, I'm going to ask you guys, as, as a dad, was I being good or bad? Good. It was good. Tell me why is that good? Teaching I'm teaching character. I'm teaching them. Now, here's a bigger question. I know that you know that as fellow parents and responsible adults, but how did they feel about it? <laughs> they, they felt like, dad's so unfair. Dad doesn't care. This isn't good. I, I don't, I, I dread when dad's going to, you know, in, in their minds, it just did not make sense to them. It, it, they felt in their minds as they were doing things that dad was making them miserable. In reality, I was showing them love in such a way that they did not understand that. But when, what, you know what I needed them to understand during that time? What I needed them to do is just trust dad. Just trust dad that all these things work together for good. I wanted them to learn to work hard, to be responsible. And you know what? The only, you can tell kids, you, you need to do better. You need to work hard. It's not about telling your kids that they need to work hard. It's about teaching them to work hard. It's about sweating and cutting the grass and going outside and saying, dad, that lawnmower stalled five times because the grass is so long. Raise the blades and do it twice. <laughs> it's like, that's what we're going to do. But that is life. And if I can't teach them to endure life with the little things, then when they became parents and adults themselves, they would not be ready for life. Makes me want to preach on parenting. And I am not saying this by any means that I have it all figured out. But this is one thing that I can tell you guys about my kids. My kids know how to work today. Every single one of them have gotten jobs, take care of themselves, work hard, all of them. Even Logan, while he was on chemo, was working and pressure washing and doing all that stuff. And you say, well, you think you're such a great dad. No, I, th I think God's principles work. They just work. And I, and I know that God will push us through things that doesn't make sense and doesn't feel good. But it is for our good. That's why the Bible says that all things work together for good. We interpret that as all things feel good, you know, or should feel good. It never says that. These things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. He's working his purpose and his plan in our lives. So you know what I was doing to my kids? I was loving them. You know how they felt? They felt like I was torturing them during that time. Um, God was like to, telling Jonah, when I sent the whale, it was because I was good. But at the time of him being swallowed by the whale and being in the belly of the whale for three days, he didn't feel like it was good. He sent him to Nineveh again because God is good. And to, ne to Jonah, he didn't feel like that was good, but God was being good. God will allow you to go through things for you to learn because he is good. And the thing that you're going through right now that you might not understand is working together for good. And that's what Romans 8, 28 
means. And, and, I, and I believe that that verse has so much more application, but we flippantly say it until you're dealing with something, and then it comes alive in our hearts and minds. Um, I, let, let me give you another illustration of this, a biblical illustration about going through something. When, when Joseph was sold into slavery, was that good or bad? Okay, when he uh, was uh, betrayed by Potiphar's wife, was that good or bad? I mean, you, you think, no, he was like, oh, this is great. You know, we've thrown in prison and I'll tell them about you when I get out. Was that good or bad? It was bad. But all of those things was a setup for what God was doing according to his purpose. He interprets the dream. He comes out, it's put in the position. They save the food up. They save their nation and all the nations around them. Why is that? God allows us sometimes to go through things that we don't understand because he's good. And at the end of it, God saved uh, a nation. So we totally understand the feelings of Jonah, feeling that God was not respecting his feelings, his emotions, his opinions, and all this other stuff. Verse 9, and God pulls this all together. And, and God said unto Jonah, does thou well to be angry for the gourd? He said, you're upset about the gourd. You, you think you have the right to be upset. He said, that's what he's doing. He's confronting about this. And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. He said, yes, I'm justified in this. It is, it's reasonable. They didn't deserve this. They didn't deserve your grace. They didn't deserve your mercy. I went and did it because you told me, but I still, I, I still don't think that they deserve this. He said, very much so. Then the Lord said, thou hast pity on the gourd. You have compassion. You were upset over them about a plant fading away, which thou hast not labored, neither thou madest or grow or came up in at night and it perished in at night. And should I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein there are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right and their left hand and also much cattle. Now, at first, that doesn't make sense. But God's sitting there comparing this. And he sees, you talk about God being a visual. I love visuals because I like preaching with visuals. But God's he's standing at this gourd, this plant that's like limped over, falling away, faded away. It's got all the wormholes all over it. And God says, that breaks your heart because you love that and it, it brought you pleasure. And God draws a comparison and said, let me tell you about a nation that they might be wicked, but I love them. That was, that was the whole point of the story. And God's drawing this comparison. That brought you pleasure because it kept the sun off your little head. They bring me pleasure because he was talking about the 120,000 people that was in this city. And you know, when they said, let me, let me back up and explain this. He said, there are more than a thousand persons they cannot discern between their right hand and their left. That is a description in the Bible of children. And, and it's not just a description. And, and some say that was just a description because they didn't know right from wrong. But it's also a description. I almost put it in here. It's in Deuteronomy, and it's a similar passage that describes the discernment of children. But in that, he's saying, do you understand? And I can't remember what the number was. I actually had it in my notes, and I can't find it now. Uh, about how many kids that were in the city that God was saying, do, I not, do they not deserve a chance for, for grace and forgiveness? And then he even put in the cattle saying, what did they do wrong? I'm going to destroy the city. And the idea was Jonah was thinking that God was going to do it like he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. That was his thinking of it, that it was. He said, why would I do that even to the cattle that I created that bring me pleasure? Because that's part of my creation. And God drops this truth bomb on them. Why did he do all that? Because they matter. As much as that gourd mattered to you, those people matter to me. You can care more about the plant than you do about a nation going to hell. And you think about how that applies to us. 
So many applications to this. So I ask you the question, have you ever been angry at God? I mean, have you ever been frustrated because, because you're thinking that God doesn't get it? You're like, God, do you not understand what I'm going through? You know, do you not understand what I'm trying to accomplish for you, how you're working? And then thing, we just get to the feeling that God just doesn't care. God cared about Nineveh, but he felt like God didn't care about his feelings and what he was going through. God is always good. God is always right. But you have to trust in God. So this is such a weird chapter. You say, why is it a weird chapter? Go to Nineveh, preach them. I care about them. He runs from God, swallowed by the whale, spits out on the shore, goes there. Revival breaks out. And then God brings in this last chapter to say, because of application with us, you're not going to always understand me, but I can promise you that I'm always good and I always have a plan.